Oh shit, I wasn't ready. <laughs> I love you. Welcome to Couples Couple Skate. I'm Emma Arnold. And I'm Paige. This is Cirque. Beverly's here. We've got Chip. <laughs> Alex, as usual, producing over there. I'm sure that the three dogs next door will show up and have a bark fest yes. uh, at some point. Always special guests yeah. they are. Your neighbor's doing some sawing, it sounds like. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's funny, though, because last week we did it, or last time we did it inside, yeah. and I had thought... When we first went in there, because it was so air conditioned, and I was like, oh, this is so nice. And I thought, maybe we should just move it inside. And by the end, I was like, no, I love doing it out on the patio. It just feels right. It just feels like a couple of gals out here, you know, drinking lemon waters and gabbing. It just feels right out here. Yeah. And it's usually pretty nice. It's not usually uh, bad, too bad of weather under the patio so we can. Yeah. And it's tradition. Yeah. It's COVID tradition. We started outside and mm-hmm. we're going to finish we'll outside. We'll die out here, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's start this episode out. First of all, I just want to say we have some very sweet, dedicated people who every time we do this are there and in, in the comments. Uh, hello, Alexander. We love you. <laughs> but some other people, too, just like lovely people. And to, and we have lovely like friends who follow and listen and stuff. And that's wonderful. And it's so, like an average of 116 people, which feels like just the right number. To yeah, me. I know. It's so funny. I was having a, a conversation with a comedian friend last night and we were discussing a friend who is becoming more and more famous, but kind of losing their mind behind the scenes. And I said... I was like, I feel like it's a it's a weird time to be an artist right now because everybody's like starting to become and talking about anti-capitalist ideas and starting to become, you know, like 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 pushing away from hustle culture, pushing away from having three jobs, you know, and being like there have to be other ways to live and mutual aid and all this stuff. But then at the same time, like in my industry, everybody's like, but obviously I want a private jet. And you're like, (laughs) yeah, see, you can't be anti-capitalist and hope you're going to end up with a private jet. Like you kind of like, and I, he said, well, I want a private jet. And I was like, no, a private jet is inherently evil. And he was like, no, you could have a private jet and use it for the right reasons. I was like, what about, what about an old plane? Okay. You have a 1956 Cessna. I'll allow it. You have a pilot's license. Yeah. Like, I just want to know where the line is because I don't necessarily want a private jet, but I would like maybe access to somebody's boat. Okay. That seems very reasonable. You know, once or twice a year. Yeah. We'll go on the boat. I don't want to own the boat. Oh, no, no. I don't want boat ownership. I don't want dock fees. I don't want Mm -hmm. like all that stuff, but you know, just access, like, you know, I want to be peripheral to See? some nice things. Very, I feel like that's very communist of you because you're just like, <laughs> what if we all had a boat? We share the boat. Everybody gets a turn on the boat. That's that's very reasonable to me. But uh, but we were talking about like wanting, he was like, you don't want to get famous. And people, I feel like a weird part of being an artist is if you're like, I don't want to get famous. People are always just like, it won't, you couldn't though. It wouldn't be a problem. And you're like, you're not burning me with that. You're not hurting my feelings by being like, oh, yeah, well, you couldn't uh, middle America your way into a private jet, like be appealing to enough people. It's like, yeah, I know that. I know who I am. I'm not trying. I'm staying in my lane and being as weird as I can possibly be so that I don't accidentally end up, you know, on a sitcom. The only thing that's really appealing to me, because I'm not a, a things person, a stuff person, but um, I would like to be able to, I would like some of the f- 
flexibility of uh what is it called um just money that you can burn goofing off money goofing off money yeah 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 but like when i think about like i do feel a little bit trapped a, a lot of times like in this state in this economy and i want to be like if i just had enough money where i could be like fuck it i'm gonna go do this yeah instead of feeling like really hindered yeah like i don't need a boat or a plane but if i could say tomorrow i'm just going to sell my house and move somewhere else and have that kind of flexibility i would really appreciate it yeah yeah you know just a little extra money so that a little disposable income you're in this weird place where i think a lot of people are where like so there's like poor yeah which i am yeah and i don't have i have oh no don't own any property and there's actually people don't realize kind of a lot of flexibility in that if you can do it like do it well like I have been raising three kids on under 25 grand uh for like the last 10 years and um and I've gotten so good and and I grew up the kind of poor like like hippie poor country poor you know where like we just didn't you know we didn't buy new stuff and you weren't trying to spend but and I I always have enough money like saved a little bit of money saved like if you had to do if you had an emergency i have like emergency money but i've never had like money you know right. but if you own a house and if you have like that next like you're not rich or anything you bought a house when it was reasonable to buy a house and now that it now uh owning a house seems like impossible for a lot of people oh yeah but, we couldn't but you're buy also a, sort of stuck. we couldn't buy a house now that's the thing that's yeah. what i mean like you could move to Michigan middle of Michigan like my, my brother bought a house in the middle of Michigan right he sold his house here for 450,000 uh, which he bought you know as a young person for very cheap and then he moved to Mi the middle of Michigan for bought a house for 110,000 and that's what he's doing he's uh doing mushroom identification goofing around he has goofing around money because he sold his house and moved to the middle of Michigan right so it is it is an interesting way to think about it because definitely before I was a homeowner and married and had a kid. Um, I moved all the time. I had a really interesting life where uh, I just didn't have didn't have the considerations that I have now. I had a lot of flexibility, yeah. and I I took advantage of it. Like I moved every six months. I lived in two places that I had never been before and didn't know anybody, and I just like went there. And so part of me is a little bit. Um, uh, like I feel claustrophobic in my suburban lifestyle. And it's not that I would actually do anything rash, but I want the option to do something rash. Sure. Yeah. You know, I want yeah. that to be like a possibility for yeah. me to be like, well, I'm just going to lose my mind and, you know, get on out of here, city. pack up my car yeah. and leave. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so it's funny because it's like either I could have less money and do that less responsibility, less obligation, or I would have to have like, I think if I had 25 to 30% more <laughs> income. Yeah, which which would again, not be rich. Yeah. Again, would, you know, be like lower middle class. Yeah. But that I would just feel like I had some um, power to make some decisions yeah. that weren't entirely based on financial considerations and that's what it's funny because i've always been like if we could all sort of just let go uh, as americans specifically 
of the idea that we're I feel like every American thinks that they're probably going to end up rich. And that's part of why we're so broken is because everybody in the back of their mind is like, I mean, I'm pretty sure I end up a rich person, so I'm not going to have to deal with these poor people things. But if everybody accepted that we're all very collectively, you know, pretty much poor Mm -hmm. and we all started to uh, collectively like try to just make everybody's life 25 percent better, just like a little bit, a little bit easier for everybody around you. Instead of being like just trying to get famous and rich, which is just the American dream, you know. See, I I have no desire for fame, but I would like to not have to have a nine to five job and still maintain some quality of life. Do you have you tried being a comedian? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I'm adjacent. I'm comedy adjacent, and I can tell you it is not a good fit for my personality. <laughs> yeah, which is sad. My personality is sad. Oh well, then you might do really well, actually. Uh, no, my personality. We're not we were, sad we were just, enough. We were, actually, <laughs> I feel like we were just talking about the fact that, like. A, like most people as you get older your body systems are so much more sensitive and mine have all always been sensitive and so like I went and spent two nights out at my parents house which is you know 40 miles away and it completely threw off like my sleep and my digestive system and (laughs) like I was a mess uh for three days after those two nights yeah and i was just like i think i maybe i just can't go anywhere or have a do anything outside of my routine ever yeah so like the like you used to talk about life on the road and i knew then you know six seven years ago i was like oh yeah no way couldn't do it yeah because one night in a hotel and i'm wrecked for yeah. for a week you're like this is a different pillow this is a different <laughs> bed the light is weird this there's a lot of sounds coming from all over it's it yeah, you have to be kind of a raccoon. To so do this it. was my this was my week in mom's, which is, you know, I, I went to spend some time with my folks over the fourth of July to get the pets out of town because Boise, um, Fourth of July is lunacy. And mm-hmm. it's like it was on a Monday, so it was the four days leading up to and basically they're still letting off fireworks. But um last year my cat had like a nervous breakdown, maybe a physical breakdown too, and I was like, I can't do that to my cat again. Um so we went out to the winery and my mom has kind of retaken over a lot of our business space as personal space. And so she had made a, a room that was being used for uh, wine storage back into a bedroom, which is what it had been before. And uh, it's this weird little like basement room. And she's like, well, I'm going to put you guys down there And so I was like, that's fine. Like, I don't, you know, no matter what, I'm going to be uncomfortable. But so we take our stuff down there. She walks us down. She's like showing us around. First of all, there's no door. (laughs) So is that so she wants to make sure you and Dave aren't making out? No, you're a kid. It like it like didn't even occur to her. Like we took the door off so it would be easier to move stuff in and out of it. And it was like a public space. So it's like awkward to have a door. And so she was so worried about the coverlet she changed while we were there within the course of two hours like the coverlet three times she kept going to get a different coverlet so it's like a it's like what you put over the duvet or the quilt it's just like the bed 
bedclothes cover that's like it's the decor part okay. of it. Okay. And so it's like not thing at the hotel that you take off. Yes, disgusting. exactly. Okay, so it. when we got there, there was one and she's like, well, Hadley thinks this is really fusty. So I'm going to change it. So then she changed it again and then she changed it again. And she was like, and I don't have a blanket for you. Well, it's like 90 some degrees here. And um, it was kind of in the basement. So it was actually just nice. You know, it was maybe 70 degrees in there. And she's like, I don't have a blanket. I don't have a blanket. And I was like, I don't need a blanket. We're going to be fine. And uh, weirder than the blanket situation is the fact that there's no door. <laughs> so the whole house is full of guests and David and I are laying there in our bed. With no blanket and no door. <laughs> well, there's a are coverlet being, are and sheets. Are you being sheets. punished for something? This seems like a shaming exercise. <laughs> you go to your room with no door and no blanket and think about what you've done. And like changing for bed you know i'm like okay so i guess i'm gonna go to the bathroom and put my nightgown on so that i'm not stripping in front of the you know door and and also why is she why is she so focused on this coverlet and yeah. worried about yeah. what the actual problem is yeah. which is so classic my mom <laughs> and so we we didn't sleep well um just because I don't sleep well in another bed. But the main problem was that the pillows were terrible, which was really uh, out of character for my mom because it used to be, their house used to be bed and breakfast. And so she has really good mattresses, really good sheets and stuff and duvets and always really nice pillows. And normally I would take a pillow if I was going somewhere, if I knew there was going to be a bad one. But I was like, huh, this is very weird that there's like this lump. It was lumpy. Do you remember when pillows used to be lumpy? Yeah. I'm telling you, your mom is mad at you. <laughs> I feel like everything you're describing is, do you, you not know that you guys are in a fight? You're clearly in a fight. Well, yeah. I mean, she's super passive aggressive. And it's true that I'm sure we are in a fight. But usually that doesn't affect the quality of the bed, yeah. bed clothes. <laughs> So she, really serious she, fight she was like, how did you sleep? And I was like, fine. And then she's like, well, I, I really want to, you know, I need to find a blanket. And I was like, we didn't need a blanket. We're not cold. And so then later that evening, she brings it up. She brings it up throughout the day about the blanket. And I was like, okay, I have an idea. I'm going to tell her that I could use another pillow because I didn't want to mention the pillow before because I knew that it would be like, a thing a criticism yeah and okay, she would yeah. be like it would hurt either hurt her feelings or it would make her mad yeah so i was like you know mom i don't we don't need a blanket but i could really use another pillow because i have allergies and so it's helpful if i can sit up and she just like looked at me and she's like oh okay well i'll see if i can find another pillow so what does she do she goes and gets a blanket <laughs> a wool blanket <laughs> a wool blanket and i was like no really though we don't need a blanket but do you think we could find another pillow there's like eight or nine bedrooms at this place there's another fucking pillow i know there is i've slept on it before and she was so put out by my request for a pillow she's like well i guess i'm gonna have to find like a clean, I'll, you know, a clean pillowcase. I'll go up to my room and see if there's a clean pillowcase. The whole place was a fucking hotel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
you don't have an extra like i'm not the most organized person all the time but i have extra pillowcases and i have extra pillows for when people are there enough to accommodate yeah people, it was know? like so unreasonable for me to ask for a pillow and yet she had for two days straight been like fretting about this blanket situation, which was a total non-issue. And I, I love a wool blanket in July. Yeah. So yeah. she did get the wool blanket. Nice. She did get the and she did eventually get me another pillow. But of course, like it's Dave and I. She doesn't offer him another pillow, even though the pillows are real substandard. So anyway, yeah, I was just like what is this this is a mom thing it's a very your mom thing yeah. to do where yeah. she is hyper focused on she something have room she doesn't have room beyond the coverlet yeah she's she like, can't she's really accommodate got- like what actually like she's already worrying about something that's what she's doing that's the most important yeah. thing is yeah. what she's worried about and you know my concerns and so i'm like that's the thing that's why i just say no everything is fine yeah everything's fine and then i could have just gone into any of the other bedrooms and just taken a pillow yeah you know yeah but should have just gotten hadley's pillow just go go get your sister's pillow and it's kind (laughs) of like it's kind of the room where it it's like the thrown thrown together room it wasn't really the bedroom it's in the basement it was like my brothers and sisters bedrooms when we were growing up so it's like the kids room you know it's it's a basement room yeah and uh so we were trying to figure out the accommodations like who is staying there during the wedding because there are rooms and there are people that expect to stay but what are those room assignments going to be and um so I was like, let's go room by room and who's staying there and who we need to make sure is there. And she's like, well, I'll just keep you down in the basement room. And I was like, it's my wedding. Yeah, I don't- Why don't I was like, can we have day? Can we find a door? And can we have a door <laughs> on for our that wedding night? <laughs> We'd like a door on our wedding night. Like- Not to, sorry to be a diva. But <laughs> and then she she was like all worried about this friend of hers that I have who I like family friend very nice um but I was like you know there's a lot of people coming to this wedding and when my sisters we had my sister's wedding we did tons of accommodations including like setting up wall tents bringing in uh like camp trailers and all this stuff and I was like I'm not doing that like people are gonna have to figure out where they're staying that's not my problem we're not like putting everybody up and I think that's like also nice for her that she doesn't have to worry about she just has to worry about the actual rooms and not um you know if everybody in the tent has a towel yeah um but she kept bringing this woman up and being like well you know she really wants to come but she's kind of a hermit now and um (laughs) and you know would we have room for her and I was like she has a raven <laughs> no get this well so I'm sorry it's just very it's she's that kind of a hermit now it's just a very funny thing for your mom to bring up like she's kind of a hermit now meaning i guess that she can't stay in a hotel but then she's like okay. and she really wants to bring her dogs of course who are gigantic okay. like golden doodles oh great and I was like, okay, Love so when people bring a dog to a wedding, <laughs> because she can't leave her dogs. I'm like, we have our own dogs. Yeah. Like, no, she can't come and stay. She is definitely invited to the wedding. Would love to see her. I know she would be really happy. My mom was like, 
Well, she kept bringing it up. Like, well, could she just have your, should she share your room with you and can the dogs come in? Why not? Yeah. It's yeah. Like, we're not. No, mom. No. And she's just trying to think of like how she's going to tell her that she can't come. And well, it's not that she can't come. It's just, yeah, we don't have yeah, and I was like, you, you know, stay, mom, very normal. we don't have, you haven't mentioned Bodie and Bodie is for sure a priority for accommodations. Yeah. He's 16. Yeah. He can't get his own hotel room. <laughs> and so she's like trying to find a place for this woman. And I'm like, no, the person we actually need to find room for is Bodie. It's my son. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. yeah. My son, who is like, you know, top five people involved here. <laughs> okay. And she's like, well, so he can't just stay in your room? Oh, my God. It's <laughs> my wedding night. <laughs> She's like, I guess not, because it is your wedding night. And I'm like, I don't care if it's, you know, like Tuesday. No, my gig- I was like, he's gigantic. Yeah. He's a teen. Yeah. He's like all farts and smells and taking up space with his BO. I yeah. was like, he's getting a, a, like his own room. Yeah. Or a tent. Or something. Or something. Yeah. I was like, that's actually the conversation. Also, also, it seems like if you give accommodations to uh, the hermit, yeah, then pretty soon your mom's going to be like, well, also, we need to find a spot for so-and-so. It's like, if once you start accommodating that, it's like, no, people can stay at a hotel if they want to come to the wedding. It's completely normal. That's what I think. And also, it's not my responsibility to house everybody. Yeah. It's not... You know, it, if somebody says like, oh, hey, you know, can we bring our tent or bring our trailer? Like, fine. But yeah. I'm not planning that out. Yeah. Like That's they built reasonable. an outdoor shower for Hadley's wedding for additional guests. We're not like building infrastructure. It's yeah. a wedding. It's one night. Yeah. And it's, I, it's not my job to do it. And it's also not my job to feel bad about not doing it. Yeah, yeah. I would not, if somebody invited me to their wedding, See? I wouldn't be this like, this is why so you don't deserve a pillow. <laughs> no. That's why you don't deserve a pillow. It's because you're cold. <laughs> According to your mom. That's very funny. Well, uh, that's a very good This Week in Moms. Um, it's a perfect one. Um I have a good this weekend, moms. Except it's my aunt. Same, same. Don't make don't let me forget to circle back to Carl because okay. we're gonna get to you, Carl. Don't worry. Hope you're here. Um, uh, my aunt, who is kind of like my second mom, she was around. They lived with us. My aunt and her wife lived with us when I was a kid, and um, they were always around. And you know, on every vacation and everything. And she, there were a lot of things as a mom. My mom had like no interest in doing and my aunt always stepped in and did those things she always took care of us when we were sick and stuff she's wonderful and so you know I feel I we're very close and I love her so much um and she's not the most tech savvy person like she is in Portland right now and she could not figure out how to book a hotel room online she was just completely lost so I helped her book a hotel room I walked her through the entire thing she was so funny because part of the reason they didn't want it they were thinking about using an Airbnb at first but they were trying to she and her wife were trying to read the entire user agreement for Airbnb and they were like well we thought we could do this while we were on the phone with you but we might need a little longer and I was like nobody reads that you don't have to read that and they're <laughs> just like, click just scroll they're like no click. who god knows what it could say in there and I'm like yeah that's yeah it's <laughs> it's wild we none of nobody knows nobody's ever read it but <laughs> She ended up getting a hotel and um, and then she called me from the, the the little motel today. She wanted something really COVID safe and cute. And I found her the, like a perfect spot. And she called me and she said, 
I don't, I've, she's never been to Portland. She's driven through Portland. She's never been. And my, my family is like so small town and ridiculous that she's like in the big city and oh she's God. a little mouse and she's so terrified. So she calls and she's like, well, I'm in this kind of industrial area. She's not, she's in Maywood. She is. <laughs> it's a very cute part of Portland. It's like right by the river. It's very cute. Um, but she's like, I'm, I'm in here and it's very, it's very industrial and there's, I can't find any coffee. There's no coffee shops in Portland. <laughs> like, That's a really common complaint actually about Portland. <laughs> she goes, I even, I even tried to find a Starbucks. I Googled Starbucks and I couldn't find a single Starbucks here. And I was like, well, first I was like, so open your map and just put in coffee in. and she couldn't, she couldn't do it and she couldn't do it. And she, I talked her through for about a half hour how to open she's like i don't have a map on my phone she kept saying i don't have a map i don't have a map and i'm like no you everybody has google maps now it's like you have a samsung it's on your phone already and she was so confused i talked her through opening i i afterward i felt like i had truly accomplished accomplished something i i got her to open google maps i got her to turn on her location in the settings i got her to show her like the little arrow that like brings you right to where you are which she was like you're a wizard <laughs> like when it went to her location she was like the most impressed nobody's ever been impressed with me like that before and then i was like now in your search bar you're gonna google coffee you're gonna put in coffee and you're gonna search and then it came up with like all the coffee shops and she was blown away <laughs> I it was I was actually like this is so satisfying to help yes. an older person because she was just like look at that you and she was like they have ratings because I was like the little number is like 4.6 is good that means that she was like what and I was like showed her how to read reviews then we get all done and my my um ants are huge bird watchers they love they're like total bird nerds and I said now in the search bar type in bird watching and all the bird watching spots around town came up and she about shit a brick she was just so happy and so excited and she's going to the Audubon Society today and she's going to some nature preserve and she was so impressed and she was like Emily, I tell you, you could go back to college. You could get your master's in a minute. You're so smart. You are just the smartest person. I I, I mean, I don't even know. You could have been anything. You could be an engineer. I was like, thank you. I know. Yeah. I'm a very tech savvy person. I've been using Google Maps for about 20 years now. So I'm one of the best. But it, she was just so proud. And she called me later and she said, oh, and I was, she, she kept saying, there's none around us. With I looked in the closest coffee shop is 15 miles away I'm like you can't throw a rock and I told her I said you could throw a rock in Portland and hit a coffee shop and she was like you're exaggerating well when I looked I'm like okay there's a coffee shop across the like street from you literally away. across yeah. the street and she was like oh my god you're not kidding you could hit it with a rock from here and I was like yeah it's fucking Portland so she's having and and my family's always been so intimidated so like whenever we would go to the coast when I was a I mean we only went once when I was a kid but later <laughs> it's funny I would always as a kid be like we always went to the coast when I was a kid we went one time we went a single time but it felt like more because it was the only cool vacation we ever did but like we when we would ever drive like as adults when we would go with them um they drive through Portland and they think it's the scariest place to drive and everybody follows me and they're like white knuckled and they're like Emily could navigate through anything and I'm like it's two it's two freeways you go 84 205 and then you hop on the 26 it's like so simple but they think I'm like a god whenever you go through Portland but I felt so proud that I got her like she's gonna go uh eat at one of my favorite restaurants she's so like she's doing it she's big pig in the city and I I felt very 
very proud of her. She's out there. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. And you could have been an engineer, probably. <laughs> yeah. But it is really funny to like have somebody value your skills based on something that's like so mundane and yeah. rudimentary. And you're always like, yeah, if you only knew that this is just like, this is not extra level at all. This no. is like baseline. Yeah. She up until about a year ago was still dialing people. And I saw her doing it and I showed her how to put f- phone numbers into her contact contacts. And she was like, so impressed. She was so, just like, I've told you that my dad calls the weather, right? Oh my God. No. He has a cell phone <laughs> and he uses it to call the weather. You can still weather. call the weather? This is what's amazing to me. I was like, cause somebody, like my sister was joking about it. I was like, he still calls the weather. And I was like, no, he doesn't. And she's like, look at this. And we called it. And it's like the same voice that it's always what? been. And they yeah. still have it? Yeah. It's because of your dad. I know. He's I'm the like, last guy. <laughs> There's like him and like two old guys like, like, I got to call the weather. This is a public service. Like we want to cancel it. But there's these three dudes who still use it. I taught my parents, not that they would remember how to do it now, but they had to go to New York uh, to connect to their cruise ship a few years ago. And I taught them how to use Uber. Nice. Because my dad was like taking taxis and then paying for them with you know travelers checks that's where he was <laughs> and i was like you can't you can't do that anymore <laughs> and so um yeah they they figured out how to, or i taught them how to use uber and then i was like oh my god can you even imagine these two people in new york city yeah. getting an uber i was no. like this is gonna be like how could they possibly do it like even with this information, yeah. I was like, "This is just a level of capacity that they don't have. No, no. they can't." But they actually, they actually were able to do it, That's which it. was sort Good. of shocking. That is impressive. Yeah, yeah, I'm impressed with them as as much as my aunt is impressed <laughs> with me right now. So. <laughs> Well, that was a good This Week in Moms. Yeah. I, I love it. Let's read. So two weeks ago. Um, the, we had our terrible Roe versus Wade podcast. Yes. And um, <clears throat> we were, pr- you know, we were understandably uh, pretty upset, a little heated. We talked a lot about abortion rights and people wanting to force people to give birth and um, and mostly had, I would say, all positive response except for I got one response from carl lindham we i shared this with you already but i'm going to read it for people in case they missed it i don't know why you're sad and worried this was a comment left under our roe v wade sad podcast i don't know why you're sad and worried you could still have your abortion but maybe earlier than what you want i can't see waiting nine months than saying oh i don't want to have this you still get your birth control and other things help you not get that situation the last thing is why wouldn't either one of you lovely ladies you're not want to give birth to to add someone special to this world you both see lovely so let's we're going to take a second and uh, to which I just so you know, I replied, did a fetus write this? Because I was like, this is literally one of the most nonsensical. Carla, I hope you're watching. One of the most nonsensical uh, comments I've uninformed. ever received. Just so uninformed. So we'll just start at the beginning and maybe unpack it. And I, if he's not watching, uh, maybe someone uh, as ignorant as he is watching and, and, and this will be helpful. So 
Um, I responded, did a fetus write this? He res- And I, I probably would have left it at that but the, and not read it on, on air. But he said, no, ma'am, I was a fetus at one time, but I got lucky and was adopted. Well, since we know your mindset, I guess there's no helping you. Um, so, Carl. Thanks for your help, Carl. Yeah. First of all, what I really need is help from someone who thinks that people are getting abortion at nine months. That's a live birth is what that is, Carl. If you're having a child removed from your body at nine months, that is a, an actual live birth. Nobody is getting what is so maddening to me about this is there is not one single person out there I have seen or heard from who is ever making uh, an anti-abortion argument in good faith. No one or with actual information, not information that is somehow anecdotal evidence or something that they invented or completely baseless. Like, yeah, completely actually not true. How bodies work, how like the level of clueless this person has to be about uh, the like female reproductive system about the process of birth about the the way that abortions actually take place and are needed and then you have the audacity to come in here with an opinion telling us and then being like well i guess there's no helping you you're not helping anything you op- you're opening your mouth with nothing behind it and uh i just thought it was very very well first annoying. of all you can still get your abortion but you can get it earlier do like there, there's another whole point. Yes. The, the the amount of weeks, like before you even know you're pregnant, yeah. is when they've said that's the deadline that you can get an abortion. Yeah. So Carl, but also you can't just get an abortion earlier because there's, you know, laws like you're going to be charged with a felony even if you have a ectopic pre- pregnancy, which is not viable. Period. And will kill and you. And will kill you. And if you get an abortion, you will go to jail. So, Carl, when you say we could still have our abortion, there's a six week ban uh, in Idaho that's going into effect. And it says you can't get an abortion after six weeks, which maybe to you are like, that's plenty of time. But actually, Most, you wouldn't know you were pregnant. Yeah. You can't take a pregnancy test. You would take it at basically five weeks because you're already four weeks pregnant by the time your period is late so you wouldn't know you would have no idea you would basically have one week to get an abortion which in idaho there are so many things even before that that are in place even before the roe v wade stuff happened like you have to get an ultrasound you have a, a one week waiting period you have to get counseling they don't just let you make this decision yourself and it in i think the the hardest part about this is how many people seem to be completely comfortable making a decision for your body when they have no idea what's going on like that one time in during the uh this your was a, body your life your future yeah the, your family's yeah experience your financial everything. situation yeah. everything you're just carl you're, you're just super saying, comfortable like, making that and yeah. you say um we can still get our birth control oh actually no turns out they're going for that next and mm-hmm. they're probably going to make iud's illegal and mm-hmm. they're going to make plan b illegal and so in a lot of places people aren't don't have easy access to birth control which is how they ended up pregnant and it, all of it, it the most annoying about thing about this too is like sometimes i feel like uh I've been making you'll be you'll be talking about this making these arguments and you'll be like I've been saying this same shit for 20 years and it feels like you're being repetitive it feels like you're not like it's pointless to say this stuff but clearly it's not clearly we need to keep saying it and also Carl at the when you say 
you guess there's no helping me and now you know my mindset i have an album called abortion 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 where did you think i fell in this debate did you think it was abortion 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 thumbs down you know like i, I i'm all i'm all in on abortion pro abortion i think yeah. it should be none of anybody's fucking business but yours and your doctors and it's so maddening and it just it was so I don't if you are a first well, birther you don't have to ever listen to this podcast or watch this live stream fuck off I don't want you as a fan uh I don't want you here we you you are not allowed to like me or my comedy if you're somebody who believes that you should force people to give birth if they don't want to fuck off it's a human rights issue or fuck off not even to give birth to uh accommodate a pregnancy that may in, in any way be damaging or be unwanted or yeah. whatever like i've known several women who now would be uh felons because they had a non-viable pregnancy for instance mm -hmm. the um uh the baby was uh very very damaged would never be born would never live and the fetus inside the mother was going to cause serious harm to the mother yeah and that person even with her doctor wanting her or you know recommending it or insisting or whatever like it's required would not be able to get yeah that baby and yeah. i you know i don't want to use a bunch of e e examples of that kind of thing either because also pro-abortion whatever decision you're you're making that's for you it's not you a, yeah yeah i had an abortion and why do thank you trust god i did like I would I'm it's one of the best decisions I ever made yeah and uh I don't have to revisit uh I I don't feel bad about it I never felt bad about it I don't have any guilt about it I feel like thank god I had the foresight at 17 years old to be like oh no this is a bad deal yeah this is gonna ruin my life this is gonna ruin people around me's lives and there's something that I can do about it yeah. best decision I ever made and even being like, um, I was adopted, like, great, Carl, congratulations. But the reality is, is like a ton of adoptees, a ton of adoptees end up in really bad situations. And like adoptees have one of the highest rates of suicide. They have one of the highest rates of substance abuse. A lot of people get adopted into very bad situations specifically because people who are people are expecting to adopt a live you know a white baby because they want one and they're they're doing it for like fucked up evangelical have 15 kids create a fucking it's a whole thing or, or it's a even whole the thing. foster system the how many of these people have ever fostered a child or would agree to foster a child the foster system is a terrible place to be yeah and there is not resources for the children that are in the foster system now. And and again, it always comes back to you. And this, this feels so redundant to say, but it, I'm going to say it because apparently there are still people who need to hear it. But like, if your argument is that abortion kills a baby, then you should be doing everything in your power to make sure that women feel safe enough and financially stable enough to have a kid if they get accidentally pregnant or to to prevent it. First of all, you should be like, super pro Planned Parenthood. You should be making sure all this money is funneled into preventing pregnancies that aren't wanted. And then if a, if a mother does get pregnant, there should be, if you actually gave a shit, 
you would there would be systems in place to help her. Like people are willing to spend fifty thousand dollars to adopt a baby, but wh- where is that money? F- give fifty dollars, fifty thousand dollars to a teen mom. Mm-hmm. You know, if the system is already like you have the money there and like subsidized things to help people adopt. So help people keep their kids. But it's like, no, it's not about that. It's all about control. It's all about punishing. It's purity culture at its core. If you're an anti-abortionist, you're a purity culture fuck. And, and it's that's not it. pro-family, which is what they love no. to say. No, There's no other support for families. You're not pro-family in any other way yeah. than anti-abort. And I was one of the people who we had a miscarriage and, uh, we had a, a fetus become non-viable because of my other health stuff. And uh, because we were at a Catholic hospital, they were like, sent me home. And they were like, it didn't, I had an impartial miscarriage, which is where the baby dies or the fetus dies. And uh, your body doesn't naturally release it. And they were basically just like, well, yeah, hopefully your body will pass it. After two weeks, I went back to the doctor again catholic hospital based and she was like there's not a ton i can actually do for you um hopefully your body releases it releases it or like there's like planned parenthood i had to go to planned parenthood to help me take care of a miscarriage because the catholic hospital my insurance will work with would not do anything yeah i had a friend who had and it, a was, miscarriage it was completely non-viable and went to the hospital and again catholic hospital and she had to sign a form about what cemetery she wanted the fetus to be buried in and she was just just like uh you know yeah (laughs) what does this have to do with anything you're like this is not my idea i i don't feel this doesn't help me this actually makes me feel way worse yeah that you're like somehow traumatizing yeah Yeah, this was a wanted child that we expected to have and we're not able to and we had to go through specifically i had to go through weeks of carrying death in my body which carl if you don't know what that feels like you don't ever get to have any kind of opinion on that i had to do that for weeks and then tell finally the very compassionate loving people at planned parenthood i went in and said i'm not passing this miscarriage and they said we'll help you out immediately and I didn't have to even go through a bunch of nonsense because there was no, you know, fetal heartbeat, which even that is fucking a made up thing. Right. And it's it was all it was all so traumatizing. And in a civilized country, you would go in and they would be like, what do you want to do? You know, and that would be it. You wouldn't have to do uh, a week's counseling and all this other bullshit. Like it was it's all it's all so traumatizing. It's meant to be traumatizing. It's meant meant to make you feel horrible and inferior and and yet time and time again there's some huge huge study that they've done it's the biggest study about abortion that's ever been done it's ongoing for literal decades and overwhelmingly women who have abortions are happy with their decision do not feel guilty do not think about it every day like all of the things that they're saying are going to happen to you when you have an abortion in order to convince you not to overwhelmingly do not happen to women. Yeah. They are all made the right decision for them and they're satisfied and happy with that decision. I know tons of people who've had an abortion, including very conservative women Mm -hmm. who do not regret it. 
even if they're now, uh, I knew a person in Michigan and she was very anti-abortion. She had had an abortion when she was young. She didn't regret that abortion, but she was still anti-abortion because for conservative women, it's always my abortion was okay, but in general, I'm against it. And even that's fucked up. Why did you get to make that choice for yourself or for your daughter? Why did you get to, why are you trustworthy and not someone else? And the whole the whole thing, it's it feels it feels so annoying to me to, to talk about it because I feel like everything I'm saying I have been saying for 20 years and I feel like you feel like you're arguing you're like there's no reason to say this but then someone comes along with something that ignorant. yeah but like you said it's it's not even in good faith and, no. and again it's like he's like well I can't imagine why you lovely ladies wouldn't want to bring another baby into the here like, let's tell him like Carol <laughs> We are lovely. Thank you for noticing. I don't want another kid because I have a severe chronic illness. And when I got pregnant last time, which was a planned pregnancy, a wanted pregnancy, I almost died. And I was in the hospital for a week. And if we had it, if, if it happened again, it would kill me. You stupid fuck. <laughs> and I don't. And after that, also, I was like, oh, I don't actually I don't even actually have the energy for another kid. Yeah, I'm you've tired. raised three kids. I've raised, I have a 19-year-old. I don't want more kids because I have a 19-year-old. And yeah, we took the proper precautions. My husband has a vasectomy, but people's vasectomy is reversed. And if we ended up pregnant right now, we would have to go. <laughs> I would have to go and have an abortion because I would die. And that matters. My life matters more than some fucking clump of cells. <laughs> it's just so upsetting to keep having this argument with people and to keep doing this like you said you get you get vulnerable and you tell your story and you think this will matter for years i talked about this stuff and i was so honest and vulnerable and i really thought it mattered if we like shared these stories and then this last couple this last like month you've been like oh it really doesn't doesn't it it doesn't matter because it doesn't it's not no, about there, there's, actual it's not people. about actual people it's not about actual facts it's Would not about how tissue? it actually works it's uh just about controlling and yeah. and honestly that is the goal the goal is that you feel bad that yeah. you have a terrible time that you are punished for your choice yeah and, and, and even just not even choice just punished in general for i mean i know other people than women have abortions but i'm going to say women here like punished in general for being a woman for being genetically female um i, th I think i feel like there's something in our society that despises women and femme people on such a deep level that like you are inherently supposed to be punished for that you know and and if you have and it doesn't matter if you're a married woman who whose birth control fails and you did everything right and it's not your fault and you want to still want to have it doesn't matter the circumstances don't matter you're just supposed to be punished because you were born female you know which I've been grieving all this week. I've been crying and I've been super depressed and like suicidal. And you forget that like, actually you're right to feel that way, that it actually really sucks to be like subhuman in the eyes of uh, the law and politically and also culturally. And people like this moron, yeah. like really? Like you think you're smarter than me, Carl? You th do you think that? Like you're not you're not smarter and, and than you're, like not, how, you're not gonna be able to make a better decision than me so just the whole idea of like oh well you're gonna have you know you could have a lovely baby you could it's <laughs> like obviously this person doesn't have children and it's 
has hasn't experienced ex- oh, thanks, how completely life-changing and yeah. complex and fraught and hard and it's not just like oh you have a cute pink cheek baby that you feed gerber like yeah. that's not what being a parent is yeah you that's have- not what carrying a child is like what are you talking about oh because you'd make a nice baby yeah but you're what? so lovely jocelyn you'd make you'd make such beauty you are you know what you are the cutest little vessel <laughs> aren't you just the, <laughs> you'd cutest? Make the cutest little baby like, like what l- first and of like- all like i never in my life wanted to be a parent I didn't want to be a parent when I was growing up. When kids would, when you know, people would say like, "Oh, you want to have kids when you grow up?" I never, ever, ever have changed my opinion. I am not a maternal figure. I do not want to have kids. And I actually said that I think in front of Bodie the other day, and he was like shocked out of his mind. Yeah, because like he can't even imagine that uh, somebody would say in front of their child, "Like I never wanted kids." But the fact is, I didn't want kids. I don't want more kids. I'm very happy with my family as it is. And to have a stepson, it's wonderful. And uh, it's been a great experience. But I never would want my own natural children. And I find parenting extremely challenging. Mm -hmm. I do not know how people do it, how women do it. Uh, since the bulk of it falls on them. And um, it's I don't excruciating. I don't want it for myself. I <laughs> yeah. never wanted to give birth. I never wanted to have kids. I have a child now that I love. I wouldn't give him up. Part of the agreement, part of the contract was I'm in a relationship with somebody who has a child. Mm-hmm. So that comes with it. That was a very, that was the decision I made. It was something that I had to think about a lot because I did not want that for myself. Yeah. And I decided that I loved Dave enough and that I had, I don't know if I loved Bodhi yet at that point that I decided to be with Dave, but um, that I could do it. And especially since he was older, he was 10. Yeah. I was like, I can do a 10 year old. Yeah. But I couldn't do a baby. And yeah. I know that like every time I'm around kids, I feel like I made the right decision. I don't ever regret it. And it's not that I don't love the kids in my life, my nieces and nephews, but I also see how I don't think of them in a way that is like I am a mother. I don't. Mm -hmm. And so to have somebody tell me like, because I'm cute or because I'm lovely or because I'm, you know, I'm healthy enough because I'm a woman and I could, I could carry a baby. Like, yeah. Why would that go Why do you into think it? that that is like some pinnacle goal of of a of a woman's life, you know? Like I wanted kids from the time I was a kid. I always wanted kids and I loved being a mom and I love being a mom now and I loved having little kids and I love being around little kids and uh when I found out I was pregnant this last time uh, I had a full panic attack because I was so afraid of giving birth again. I'm not afraid of anything else in the world. And giving birth is the most painful, horrific. Um, it turns you deeply inside out, physically, spiritually. And that's in the best case scenario. And that's in the best case scenario. Like yeah. my first birth was so traumatic. I only talked about it for the first time this year. My kid is 19. This was the, f- like this year when I finally wrote, did that podcast about it. Mm-hmm. That was the first time I've ever talked about it. It was so traumatizing. And 
every time I gave birth, it was the hardest, most horrible thing I've ever done. And yeah, I did natural childbirth. And it's funny, my uh, sister-in-law is just about to give birth any day and she's having an epidural. And I remember when I was pregnant, everybody pressuring me not to get an epidural yeah. because it's the best thing for the baby. It's the best thing. Oh, an epidural is not good for the baby. It's the best thing. And now I'm like, fuck that baby. Get your epidural. Yeah. You have the rest of your life to do the right thing for that baby. You do not need to go through three days of excruciating pain and you tear. And like, I still have tons of physical stuff from giving birth that still hurts. It's trauma. And so to just so flippantly be like, you should have a baby. It's like, it's it's the physically one of the most traumatic things a person could go through. And a baby is it's forever. It's forever. It's, it's not forever. a baby. It's a person. Your life is forever. Never. And as my kids are now, my kids are nineteen, seventeen, and fourteen. And I'm like, oh, you're you never stop parenting. No, you never get to stop parenting. If you're doing it right, you're always there, guiding them and helping them and nudging them along and hoping, you know, and like helping them fix their dryer and you know, helping them through a divorce. It's like, you never get to stop parenting. So we have very different experiences and I, and uh, we had very different wants and needs. And why, what I don't understand is why is it there's just one thing you can do? Like, yeah. why is there one right answer? Because I work a different job than you do. Mm -hmm. So is it, why is there only in this particular situation why is it that there's only the one thing yeah that's the right thing yeah because that's not how anything in the world works no we like different kinds of ice cream we yeah. drive different kinds of cars we live in, live in different places if and you have depression is, if you have to the only yeah. the only right answer is that you have to be a baby carrier yeah yeah if you have depression there's like 57 ways to treat it you know like every every different medical thing is like there's a bunch of different ways we can approach this, wh whatever you feel most comfortable. But getting pregnant now, by law, you have to carry that to term. Whether it's going to kill you, whether it's going, whether the baby is viable or not, whether you, uh, whether want, you it want it, whether you can financially support it, whether you, what if ethically I don't feel comfortable giving up a baby for adoption? Right. Did, has anybody thought of that? Like, what if somebody raised you're, me? You're not what ethically. if I'm 13? Yeah, exactly. There's like a million scenarios there for why someone might not want to carry a baby to term and it's nobody's fucking business. And I, I mean, I feel like I've always been pretty hardline about this, uh, but in case there's any doubt, I've changed my now. I've changed my language about it because, of course, I was always, you know, when we were growing up, I was staunchly pro-choice. My parents are Republican. They are also pro-choice. Mm -hmm. And so we, you know, we were like, used that language. And now um, I say I'm pro-abortion. Yeah. Because I'm I'm not uh, pro-choice. I am. The abortion is frequently if, if that's what you want, that is the choice yeah so and we let them control the language for so yeah. long you know abortion and, and is so abortion it's, is wildly it's popular life yeah no no no. i'm for life no and they <laughs> they showed their whole <laughs> ass during I'm covid anti-assault weapons i'm pro-life yeah or um it only kills old people and the disabled well then you're not pro-life you right. don't get to be pro-life anymore you're right. done and like pro that label is gone I'm pro family yeah i love families i think if you can be in a family congratulations it's super get great get one they're get, fantastic yeah, have a great family but so many people who are pro-family have the most fucking dysfunctional systems in their fam family yeah and hold on to things that are pro-family that yeah. are just 
destructive. And they're those the so same. Like, don't say just family. Like family is just a word. Like the same people are. Uh, you know, this isn't. It's not just abortion. This is a whole push by the far right. You know, abortion is wildly popular. Seventy-one percent of Americans are fine with abortion, and same with like gay marriage and stuff. And they're making a huge push because they're losing the culture war, and they know it. And so they got very organized, and they took over fucking school boards, and they took over health boards, and you know, they got all this fucking legislation pushed. Pushed, and and Trump got his shitty fucking Supreme Court justices, and now we're fucked. And but culturally, you're still losing the war and you know it. And, you know, the only the only way I I hope what is happening is is will force the issue maybe enough that this culture war that we're going through is well, they will have to lose in the end. I mean, I don't know either. We're going to go f- entirely into fascism or they're going to have to we're going to have to work a lot harder, you know, like uh and do a lot more and change our language and be careful about the thing, the, the ways you, you know, like over the years, just being kind of like, well, agree to disagree. No, no, no agree to disagree. Mm-mm. You know, maybe 20 years ago, I would have used the word pro-life, although I've been staunchly using uh, anti-choice for a long time because I, I never liked that. I always felt like that was horse shit. But yeah. Anyway, uh, I hate this. I hate it. I hate that we're talking about it. So like, we have to keep doing it. And I, uh, from now on, you won't get to be on the show if you say something stupid and shitty. I'm just going to delete your comment. But this one I thought was funny just because he was like, you lovely lady should have a baby. <laughs> hey. Well, just so you know, I'm an autoptee. So your whole argument is invalid. Like, fuck off. Fuck off. God. Out here arguing with you fucking can still have cantaloupes. You can still have it. You just can't have it at nine months. You can't have it at... at come on. Come on. Oh, I hate it. Let's talk about fun things. What else do you got? I've got I've got a cute one about Bev and Chip. Do you want to do you want to hear that? I mean, I'm always up for a dog story. You know me, <laughs> but but you'll notice that Ren is no longer here. She went to Heartbroken. her other family. I was really kind of hoping he would hate her and send her back to you. Me too. But she, of course he wouldn't because she was and the cutest dog. And I was dog. like, this is the problem with me, which is I'm such a do-gooder that I like make a decision that is really better for somebody else than it is for me <laughs> yes you do i agree with that <laughs> and i was like that is a huge flaw and then you stick with it see i would be like sorry man we like this dog we'll get you another dog <laughs> he never met the dog he wasn't going to be sad i'd have been like this is our dog we'll find you another dog yeah i, or made, I wouldn't have told him like what i should have done is got the dog lived with the dog experienced the dog yeah. but instead i like before i even went and got it i texted my mom about it i was like what do you think and then uh we the whole family was just obsessed with her you were obsessed with her everybody that met her and then i was like but i can't go back on it i already sent him a picture i felt like i couldn't go back and i was like but people go back on shit like that all the time yeah like yeah it's not the end of the world why do i feel like if you had and like you could have probably found he loves yorkies you could have found him a yorkie there was a yorkie at the same time i know like i was like get him that yorkie and I mean, but she was very, very sweet. And I'm sure she has a lovely home over there. But I miss her and I loved her very, very much. I have never had an experience with a dog where I just 
head over heels immediately. And then since she's been gone, I've been thinking about her yeah. incessantly and being like, I want that. Do you want me to steal her back <laughs> for you? Because I will. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I won't just like take her all exchange. I'll I was just leave like, another just, little dog. Yeah. And there was. So I guess. Anyway, I do want another dog. And my whole thing about getting another dog was I'm trying to get another friend for Cirque. It doesn't seem like Cirque really wants a friend that bad. But I feel like he's kind of lonely. Like he. So he was a he was a pandemic pet. And there's big problems with pandemic pets now and that they cannot be alone. And I know that about yeah. him. He is not good. Mm-hmm. He, if like once we're trying to get ready to go somewhere, he clues in like they're leaving. What are they doing? Are they like exploding a house next door? <laughs> yeah, they're just demolishing like, <laughs> the house next door. <laughs> I think that was like actually dynamite. It's funny because he like <laughs> stopped sighing and I was like, oh, fantastic. And then they're like, all right, boys, unload. <laughs> unload the backhoe over here it's fine it's how it always is on this podcast yeah so anyway um i'm on the lookout for another pet but maybe it's not so much about cirque yeah maybe it's more about maybe myself it's you. yeah but i don't know mm. so anyway but bev is adorable and she does get along with she's a friend she's a, she's a real she's friend a yeah. yeah she and chip are we were a little worried in the beginning, but they just wrestle, wrestle. In fact, they were wrestling this morning. They get up every morning and uh, wrestle in bed with us. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, okay, enough. Uh, and I'll sep- sh- he'll kind of start being like, oh, oh, and I'll separate them. And then, because I'll think, oh, she's being a little rough. And he'll go back over to her and start it up again. And I'm like, okay, you're on your own, man. But they have all the best time together. And we just went, last week, we went to the cabin, uh, to my family's cabin, north of here. And... um. They were, it was so cute because she's never been up there before and she's so good. She sticks around. She doesn't run away. She like keeps you in eyesight all the time. She's just like the best dog. She's so, I mean, other than Chip, obviously, but she's just so sweet and so good. And she had so much fun. She was running around. She went in the canoe and I thought she might be like kind of nervous about the canoe, but instead she like we put her in and we went around the little lake there and she was just like, oh, oh yeah. Yeah. And she was like looking at the fi- there were fish all over and she was super into it and so cute. And um she just loved everything about being up there. And then at dusk, the first night we were there, um uh, the tiniest little baby skunk popped out oh, of a hole and no. I saw it and was like, "Oh, and it was right next to the house too." Cuz my parents had said, "Oh, there's some skunks like way past the barn, you know, it just stay away from over new there." Nest of skunks. Yeah. New den. And it came walking over to us like, I smell hot dogs. And they both ran up and were barking. And I was like, Alex, go grab the dogs. He was like, fuck off. <laughs> I was like, go grab the dogs. That's totally, you have to, you have to do that. You're like, not to gender it, but that is <laughs> man's work at our house is grabbing dogs away from the skunks, apparently. But I was like, go get the dogs, get the dogs. They were very on their own. They were super close. And so then the skunk sprayed and... Yeah, I wanted everybody but me. But so we got oh. we chi- we got the dogs and it ran off. And then at first, because it you know it, it had sprayed, so it was so strong smelling, and we weren't sure if the dogs had gotten fully sprayed or what was happening. Um, so I called my parents, and my mom was like, "Oh, well, there's a skunk kit up there." And and this is my favorite. I should this should have been my this weekend mom's, but I forgot about it. My mom's like, "There's a skunk kit that she made. She put together a skunk kit. She was like." 
if it's sealed, that means no one's tampered with it. <laughs> and then you go in and there's a milk box my mom has taken and there's hydrogen peroxide and baking soda and dish soap, which turns out works really, really well, way better than tomato juice and rubber, you know, like the whole bit, rubber gloves, shower curtain to hold them with, like everything you'd ever need. And uh, it is, it's sealed. It's taped extremely <laughs> well shut so that you'll know nobody's tampered with it and taken anything out that you need. And we use that Alex washed, um, we washed them and washed them and washed them outside. And and then in the end, I don't know if they just didn't get sprayed very bad or if he just did a great job washing them, but they didn't smell. And then we were kind of talked about going home because we were like, well, we now we know there's skunks like right next to the house. But we ended up just keeping the dogs inside for the most of the day, which the next day she was really like, or I was at, like, cause I was like, well, they don't come out till dusk. So she hung out in the yard most of the day. And then around dusk, we put her inside and she was really like, wait, what are you guys doing? It looks great out there. So we had a nice time. We worked on, we rewrote again our script for the short film that we're, we were going to film with uh, Jeff, but that we're not filming with him now. So we like rewrote that once again. And we were ready to start filming on Monday again. But um, we had such a nice trip. It was so, but it was one of those times where like we decided to go up to the cabin last minute because we were both like really stressed out. And I was like, let's just, let's just get up and get out of town and we'll go rewrite the script up there. Like it'll be kind of like a little working couple of days, but at least we'll be in the mountains. And we're, and then we were like sitting outside and I was like, I feel like I'm finally relaxing. I feel like I'm finally having the stress like kind of drain out of me. Like I'm starting to feel a little better. And then the dogs got sprayed by a skunk. And I was like, yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah. I mean, why would the universe let me actually rest for a minute? So uh, it was a little bit, it was a little bit much, but it was very funny. But just so you know, if you're ever, uh, if you're ever up at my family's cabin and uh, the skunk kit, if it's sealed. So means, did you guys replenish and seal it? Uh, no, but I told my mom that we had used stuff out of it. And then she called me last night and said, okay, we've resealed the skunk kit. And she added a few more things in there Watch. that we suggested. So it's resealed. It's back in its spot. And it's just funny too, because man, my family, I, I just love how strange they are. Like they're the weirdest like hoarder people, but then repeatedly throughout my life that hoarder thing has come in very handy because when you need something they have it right because they have everything and they're really well organized so when you open it says skunk kit on it in big letters and you open it it has like a like a list of instructions of exactly how to do it even though they were wrong so we were like we should update your skunk kit but still I was pretty impressed. I was like, this is this is the Swedish side. Yeah. You guys are prepared. We have all the decor you could need yes. for whatever type of theme yeah. party you My have. family doesn't know what a coverlet is. <laughs> uh, we've n- I never had heard that word. I didn't know you were supposed to put a napkin in your lap. So my mom adult. luckily reminded me that we have my grandpa's trapeze. What? For the party? <laughs> so since we're having a circus wedding, yeah. she's like, oh, yeah, I was going to tell you. Remember, we have... Uh, Bapo's trapeze. Wow. And I was like, did not know we had his trapeze. He, did not know we had a trapeze. Did he you didn't know he did trapeze? Well, he was very acrobatic. I did know that because he was famous for all of the diving tricks that he could do. And like my mom still does diving tricks, which is very weird to see. Like she's super flimsy. And then she'll do like a handstand into a backflip. That's crazy. The, I can't imagine yeah. my mom doing that yeah. at all. No, nobody wow. can. And yeah. everybody's like, wait, what? <laughs> um, so he was very acrobatic. And I knew that about him. But I mostly thought it was water related. 
And then she's like, oh, no, no, we have his his trapeze. His I was trapeze. like, get it out. Yeah. We're having it. Yeah. You so, should do a uh, one of those line things, too. We are definitely are going to are do a tightrope. Tightrope. Yeah. Yeah. I told Dave, I was like, we have to have a tightrope. It doesn't have to be high, but it has to be, you know, something that people can balance on. Yeah. And those are fun that'll be fun yeah nice so work on your trapeze skills yeah breaking out grandpa's trapeze i've always felt like i would just be naturally good at the trapeze but that's probably like piano where i was like i'm gonna be great at this and then i was like well see oh this takes a lot of work actually we had a playroom that had a trapeze and a swing wow when i was growing up and so i was thinking that maybe those still were around you know, like it was just a it was like a wooden bar that had the rope and it hung from the ceiling. So it was like a kid's trapeze. But, you know, it worked great. Yeah. Um. And so I was thinking about that. And then she was like, oh, no, we have grandpa's trapeze. Maybe somebody else in your family is a fire eater. Um, or sword swallower. Yeah. Could you work on that? Or? Yeah, I could. I could fire. <laughs> That's always been one of those. I'm like, I could do that. I could do that. I hear Not that a sword it's swallower. actually like really, really terrible for you because what they do is they put the um, the chemicals and you like swallow the chemicals and then you expel them and oh, those chemicals you, like, are oh. really toxic. Oh, God. Never so, mind. yeah, it's not it's definitely not good for you. Oh, well, never mind then. Yeah, I have a pretty sensitive system. <laughs> like you were talking about uh, earlier, you started by saying how like, you know, basically if you go somewhere for two days, you're a wreck after that. That's really funny because yesterday I was discussing with a friend because um, I've been so depressed lately and kind of suicidal and like not doing great and talking to him. I mean, I'm doing fine. Please don't message me. I'm fine. I'm a, I, it's fine. But uh, I've, I was just talking about like really struggling this last week and feeling like really feeling more depressed than I have in a few years, which is saying something, you yeah. know, and he was like, are you in therapy? Are you are you doing anything? And I was like, no, you know, I, I mean, I did therapy for like. 10 years now I'm kind of in the reaping the rewards of therapy part of my life you know mm -hmm. and he was like well are you are you struggling with any of your addiction stuff and I was like no you know what I'm it turns out too old for all of that anymore <laughs> like I had like one minute like a, a in the midst of being really depressed where I was like maybe I'll just I could just go get hammered and then I'm like I just can't handle the hangover of that anymore like when I was a younger person and I, when I would you know control emotions and stuff with alcohol and like binge drink and stuff um, that worked pretty well because then you would just get up at, and go to work at 8 a.m. You know, yeah. like you, I would blackout drink and then get up and go to work. And uh, now I, if I went and if we right now were like, let's go get hammered, I would need like a month to recover afterward. I'm sure. Or you'd have one glass of wine and oh, be on the yeah. floor. See, this is I was just exactly. having this conversation with a friend yesterday who's given up drinking, which I've actually known quite a few people recently like my age you know mid 40s be like okay I'm sober I'm not doing this anymore and for me I'm like I just I just couldn't physically get to the point maybe once a year I'll inadvertently drink too much and then feel bad the next day but like my body's like nah we're shutting this off yeah we're you know, like a couple glasses of wine like I put seltzer in my wine now if I think I'm gonna you know have more than a couple glasses like i'll just like split the difference with some sparkling water like <laughs> like i couldn't do it if yeah. i tried yeah. i just don't have the yeah the all stamina the, i'm like i would just fall asleep before i got drunk yeah exactly like all the coping mechanisms i used to use uh like and also now i would just be like oh i'm sad and i feel sad whereas before i'm like 
Uh, I got something happening in my chest, throat, and head, and I'm just going to fuck a stranger because I don't think I'm going to do that. And I didn't even know what I was feeling. I was just kind of running. But now it's like, if I if I was like, like you said, I, I could just picture like having a shot of alcohol. I had an ice cream cone <laughs> for the first time, <laughs> like a, a week ago or two. I guess it was oh, like two weeks ago. I've had, I had an ice cream cone for the first time in years and I went home and threw up immediately. Yeah. And then I was like in bed for the rest of the day. And I was like, that's how hard I can party now is I was like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> gonna have some ice cream today. And my body was like, no, you're not. And I was like, you're right. Yeah, you're totally right. Absolutely. So I don't like all the things I used to have for vices before don't really apply anymore. And now. No. Like, and I kind of wish they did. Like yeah. there's been moments in the not so distant past where I've been like, I need an escape valve. Yes. Like everything uh, just needs to go away. And I can, so I can just have a break from it and then come back and think about it at some other point. Like I, I guess, just yeah. need to like, Pull the plug on. I something. have I have one thing I do. I have one little vice that I do, and that is I play this little game on my phone about dragons, hmm. where you take little dragons and then you put them together and they make bigger dragons. And it's so fucking stupid. And uh, and I'll play it for like an hour and I'll be like, oh, I'm taking the eggs and I'm doing the little. It's like a stupid mom game. And uh, and and I'll like lose time where like you'll like resurface and then be like. Oh, I didn't even think about anything sad for one hour while I played this stupid little game. And that's like my only vice is I have a little dragon game on my phone that I play sometimes. And that's really about it. I don't have anything. Nothing really, nothing itches. Like, I don't, I, I don't know if it's just getting older or if it's a lot of the work I did or it's weird. You know, even the last time I went to a 12 step uh, meeting, I was kind of talking to someone afterward and they were saying like, you know, how do you handle cravings and stuff? And I was like, man, I'm not trying to, I haven't had a craving in like years at this point. Like I really, I don't know, you know, maybe it's not that that couldn't start up again for whatever thing. But honestly, I, at this point feel like alcohol wise, like I'm like, I could definitely have a beer or two. Like, I'm not like, I want to get drunk. I'm like, I never want to be drunk again. Like I literally never. That's what I mean. Like my brains out. I don't have to give up. Yeah. Alcohol because I, can't handle any more than just yeah what I what I what I know I can handle there I don't feel like that there's a problem because I've dialed it back so far yeah and even I smoke a little weed here and then and then and somebody in my 12-step group was like oh California sober and I was like sure whatever and somebody was like I don't know I don't know I don't know how you keep a, a cap on that I don't know how you regulate that and I was like do you know what I do when I smoke weed I meditate Mm-hmm. I sit and I meditate and I pull a couple tarot cards and then I write in my journal. I'm like, <laughs> it is like probably the healthiest hour of my right. whole week is right. uh, when I'm like, I think I'm going to smoke a little weed. And then every time I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I got to get back in touch with my body. I got to stretch out my shoulders. I, I got to get back in touch with my spiritual side. Like every time I smoke pot, I just end up doing something very spiritual and uh, meditating for a really long time every single time. Right. So yeah. yeah, for me, it doesn't or we have like, really good sex lead into additional <laughs> behaviors yeah. at all. No, that kind of stuff. So. No, it's a very mellow. Uh, and it certainly did yeah. in previous lives. Yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah. Like, you know, talking about like being in graduate school and and just hitting it so hard and never, never not being drunk. You yeah. Know? Just like if I was going to drink, it was going to go, I was going to go all the way. 
And I was always a binge drinker. Like I wasn't a, like my, you know, everybody else in my family is a, um, I drink all day, every day to the point that my liver is failing. And I was never like that. I was a blackout drinker when I, and, but the, the kind of remarkable thing is, you know, uh, I've been in 12 step groups for like most of my adult life and stuff, but like I quit drinking hard alcohol when I was 21 mm-hmm. because I had kids and I was like, I grew up with alcoholics and I was like, I do not want to be an, an, a, like a full blown, like hard alcohol drinker around my kids. And then, you know, by the time I was 26 or 27, I had stopped drinking wine because I was like, oh, I also get pretty drunk on this. And then by the time I was like 30, I stopped drinking beer even. And I was just kind of like, ah. Eh. And I went to a lot of 12 strip. I started in AA. All right. You're not supposed to talk about it. Sorry, guys. Uh, you're supposed to say that the group program. or the program. Yeah. You're not supposed to name it. But I started in an alcohol addiction program, uh, moved to a sex yeah, addiction you didn't, program. You didn't go to alcohol. You didn't go you went to alcohol addiction program. Yeah, that's what that's I did. AA. Yeah, AP <laughs> is what I did. App. Uh, then I did sex addiction. Then I did love and sex addiction. Then I did codependency. Uh, and each time, each group was very helpful. Each time I got a lot from the group, but each time I never really had a ton of luck. And I, I relapsed, you know, four years ago and, and burned down my whole life, which at the time I was like, oh no, I relapsed. Now I'm like, what a cool relapse. Good for me, honestly. Like that life needed to be burned down. I was deeply unhappy and in an unhealthy relationship. And I found that, you know, for me, my addictive behaviors tend to come up when I'm refusing to make a decision I need to make. Mm -hmm. And then, so if you're hiding in something like that, I always would just kind of be like trying to run from the truth, you know, trying to to ignore what the work that I needed to do or the unpleasantness or whatever. And then, you know, it's hard to live in lies like that. And so I would get deeper. I would, you know, and this last time when I relapsed, I was doing a little of everything all of the time just to maintain, keep my head above water and not just kill myself because I was so unhappy. And then I got out of that relationship and uh, got a bunch more therapy and, and I haven't had like a single really urge sense even the other day when I was like I want to get hammered I was like I think I just kind of miss being out you know and like going dancing and like I don't actually want to get hammered I just want to be with like a bunch of sweaty people uh not thinking about anything because I'm too busy listening to ABBA yeah you know that sounds that sounds nice I haven't been dancing in three years Mm -hmm. you know not since the I mean almost three years now not since the beginning of COVID and and I know people are doing that stuff and I could go do it, but it just feels different now. I don't remember how to, I don't remember, I don't remember that person, <laughs> that freewheeling, sexy, fun person who was out dancing. I'm like, yeah, she was really cool. She was a cool, fun person. But this person is, I don't know, I haven't felt there for a long time. It yeah. seems nice. Yeah. Maybe we should go dancing. Where will you go? Well, there's there's a couple of decent gay bars here. Go down to the, one of the gay bars and yes, shake our bodies around. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I we could do go, that. Oh, you know what? Well, you know what? You know where we're gonna go? Hump and Hannah's. <laughs> we're gonna go to Hump and Hannah's. Oh, the last time I went to Hump and Hannah's, it was really really awkward. Why? <sighs> yeah, because it's Hump and Hannah's. I don't know. Like, I just felt like this isn't the place for me. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah, and it was, um, it was, it was probably seven or eight years ago, maybe Mm -hmm. longer. And it was, um, 
St. Patrick's Day. Jesus Christ, Jocelyn. Yeah. <laughs> you went to Hump and Hannah's on St. Patrick's Day? Yeah. And I went Were with, you like, I need to get in a knife fight? <laughs> I went with my sister's husband. Wow. Because she was like out of town. And yeah, I just remember it being like, I was like, oh, I'll n- I'm not coming here again. Yeah. This is, so I had a really, so I went to Hump and Hannah's on my 21st birthday. Yeah. And got kicked out. Because I got so drunk Amazing. because everybody was buying me shots that I threw up in the bathroom. And apparently that's like the last straw at Hump and Hannah's. You can't throw up in the bathroom. Yeah. Okay. And so like my, I've just had a bad history with them from the get. Yeah. Yeah. So I have, I, last time I was there was, um, they asked me to do a domestic, uh, violence. They asked me to do a domestic. So yeah. I went down, <laughs> that's where you do a domestic. No, um, the WCA asked me to do a, a fundraiser kind of show th- with them and they work with Hump and Hannah's a lot because actually Rocky is very lovely. The The owner is a very lovely person. And so we did the show there with uh, a f- couple of her other comedians. And um, my friend Lace Larrabee came in from Atlanta. And um, it was so funny because Lace loved Hump and Hannah's so fucking much. So we like did the benefit show and then we were there afterward like drinking and like a lot of people who went to the show stayed. But like the usual crowd showed up and people... From not from Boise don't know of course that like Rocky Johnson she owns it and she performs there every weekend as yeah. well so she was performing and Lace was in love with her she loved the bar and I kept being like why don't we hop over to like somewhere else and she was like no absolutely not we are staying at Hump and Hannah's so we stayed there till like two it was like the longest I've ever been at Hump and Hannah's before and uh, there was a whole uh, plethora of stuff going on and very it was just wild and well it is one of those bars where that it's been around since at least I think the early 80s or late 70s yeah and it has like regulars oh like, yeah it's the kind of bar that's been there forever and the same people have been going there forever and it's very all ages too like you have 21 year olds and you have people who've been going there since the 70s and yeah. are regulars like you said like yeah. it's very all ages it actually and it, it has a fun safe vibe like we we had a good time uh it was very humping <laughs> like if you were out on the dance floor you were you were getting humped you were, people were rubbing on your butt a whole lot so I tried to dance a few different times and I was like, I'm going to go stand with my back against a wall uh, so that nobody can get their body up to mine. And and also, I usually don't go dancing anywhere but gay bars anyway. So I hadn't been to a straight bar, a humping uh, bar. Humpin bar. <laughs> I hadn't been to a place where people were touching you in a long time. And I was like, ah, ah, about what pheromone am I putting out here right now that makes me seem like I want to be touched? Because I never do. I never do. Ever. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was an interesting experience. Lace loved it. She afterward, she was like, she stayed in touch with Rocky all the, like after that for years. And, um, and also after that, I took her up to Idaho city and we did the whole country thing. We went to the, uh, the hot springs, but then we went to the bar there and, uh, it was like very, you know, shit kicking and she loved it. She's from Atlanta. She's a city girl. She was like, this is so country. I was like, yeah. Oh my God. Dave's here. So can we do the thing now? Dave, can we show an amazing picture that you drew on on the show? Can we show New World Order? <laughs> can we show? So this came about because Alex's mom 
uh, sent him a box of pictures and like, you know how moms do where they're like, I don't want your shit anymore. You have a wife now. I don't have to keep this in my house. So she sent a huge box of pictures and stuff from when he was little. And it was really cute. We were looking through all the pictures and uh, he had headgear as a kid and uh, it's just the cutest thing. But then you were saying, oh, Dave's mom did the same thing, but she sent a briefcase. Well, no, she dropped off a briefcase on our front patio, never said a word like she's not the kind of person that like frequently stops by or leaves things and so we came home and there was this old black briefcase on our front patio and then we couldn't figure out how to get it open so we were like what the fuck is this what a fucking mystery she left for you <laughs> like what is this is it a bomb should we open it then it's locked and you're like is it money is it what is it yeah so we open it up and i it's Give it one to us, of my Dave. favorite yeah <laughs> it's really one of my favorite things because it does have not only photos but tons of dave's artwork from the time he was give it to us dave give little. us give us your piece your masterpiece from the time he was little up until like high school and it has like his sixth place uh ribbon for it's sixth place dave it's sixth place they're out of six it says <laughs> But then this is one of my most favorite things that I think about quite frequently, which is a drawing and it's very light pencil, um, but it's a portrait of George W. Bush mm -hmm. just slightly. Is it George W. Bush or yeah. is it the first Bush? First oh, yeah. Bush. So H.W. So it's a picture of nice, old H.W. Nice. <laughs> and then he's slightly overlaid a portrait of Hitler. Yeah. And at the top of it in like little um capital letters it says New World I just love it. Let's get can we get a shot of this, Alex? Can we for the kids at home? Uh also, Dave, I did not know that's the artistry. Oh yeah. Yeah. Look at you. But how amazing It's so great. That his mom saved this. <laughs> Why is this not framed inside? Honestly, it's so great. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I love it, too, because you probably were just like, yeah, I got it all figured out, man. Fucking H.W. is actually Hitler. I got it all figured out. And you weren't wrong. Not that you were wrong. But yeah, like, not right. I, I was like, it. I was going to say, this was actually so prescient. This yeah. is what has happened. Mm -hmm. This has come true. Yep. This was the beginning of the end. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, oh, and like, I didn't even notice this, but like Hitler he has these little tiny buttons. They're no bigger than a quarter of an inch high. And they have little swastikas in them. Oh, Dave, the detail <laughs> Like the detail. <laughs> did I ever tell you about the swastika drawing that I did, that I got in trouble for? Um, there was this awful, very homophobic girl when I was in junior high who was, I mean, I was friends with all the theater kids, obviously. And um, she was bullying a couple of the theater kids for being a, for being gay. And I, uh, in math class, drew similarly. I'm actually quite the artist also, Dave. Uh, similarly, drew a portrait of her face, but with vampire teeth and then swastikas all around her head. And it said, and I on didn't sign it, but I did write, fuck you, Tegan. That's uh, not a real name, but I'm using that as a filler right now. And uh, and then I just, you know, left it there. And they couldn't, so they were they were super upset because she saw it because okay she saw it the next period and i knew she would and uh she went and said that it was a threat and that somebody was threatening her which it wasn't i was i was just being a dick uh 
but she said it was a threat and then they were trying to figure out who drew it for like days and everybody was like who drew okay who drew the vampire nazi who drew the vampire nazi and i was like it's not a vamp and she erased fuck you tegan so she erased fuck you tegan so it was just a vampire nazi and so they were trying to figure out who drew that and i finally had to be like it was me but it was it did say that it was tegan before i wasn't just drawing vampire nazis it was a direct it was a direct thing for one person um but I've always been kind of proud of that, honestly. Yeah. That I that I drew uh, a homophobe as a, a Nazi. Talk about prescient, Dave. Right over here, <laughs> Emma Arnold, 1993, was trying to call out the homophobes because they're Nazis. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah, you go. You and Dave. Well, um, what else have we got? Anything else at all? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, well, let's just remember uh, that this show is pro-abortion, pro-abortion, uh, trans rights are human rights, mm-hmm. uh, gay people are rad. And um, fuck you, Carl. I think that's all I have on my <laughs> list. I think that's it for me. Oh no, shit! I should promo stuff. Yeah, I was gonna okay, say. Okay, yeah, I, think you've got some shows I have some up. promo stuff. Um, if if you're in California, I will be there all next week, and I am doing uh, Santa Rosa, Oakland, San Francisco, and Santa Cruz. The shows are gonna be super fun. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, at the end of the month, I'm going to Salem and Portland. And next month, I'm, I'll be in Eureka, California. I'll be back Good in California. Good luck finding a coffee shop. That's all yeah, I got. <laughs> There's no coffee in California at all. So uh, Portland, especially. Portland, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, this has been so great. Good to see you on the patio. Thank you for watching. And always thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the, the Patreon, Alexander, Sean, um, and Sam. And uh, I love you guys. And I love you. And I love Dave's drawings. <laughs> Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. And we're actually still live, turns out. <laughs> I never said you were. I'm, I'm just joking. I never said you weren't live. Oh, well. <laughs>